Jesus said when we were yoked to him, his burden was easy and his yoke was light. Um, that's the opposite to being yoked to the enemy and yoked to our own flesh. You see, when he's not number one, what we do is hard. It's hard work. It's tiring. It's stressful. It's wearing. And, um, but Jesus said, when you yoke to me, when you're running in partnership with me, you're in tune, in step with me. It's light. So when we feel like this, this weight and this tiredness and this stress and all the other stuff and we think we've got this problem and that problem and that problem, we're kind of out of step with Jesus. It's not that the problems aren't real. You know, there's one or two things this week that we kind of thought, well, that's probably, you know, that's going to be tough to deal with, that's going to be tough to sort out. And um, the Holy Spirit just, I, I was just worshipping and praying. And he just said to me, so what's the problem? And I said, well, there's this going on, there's that going on, and we need to sort this. And he said, so what's your problem? And I said, well, what do you mean, what's my problem? And he said, well, you haven't got any. If you're really yoked to me, it's my problem. If you're really yoked to me, and this isn't about flesh, it's my problem. And so I, I was kind of really challenged by that. I was kind of uplifted by it. But if you're anything like me, the temptation is to immediately just take that back and make it your problem again. Instead of waiting for to see what the Holy Spirit does, what he directs, what he says to you, what he tells you, what his wisdom is. And when we, scrap the slides, <laughs> when, we, um, when we go to him, he'll show us what to do. See, the thing I've been really, not learning but relearning, is I'm really desperate for the Holy Spirit and his presence have fellowship with him in my life not in a way that's wrote or formulaic but a real relationship with him oh yeah you can sit down guys <laughs> yeah a real relationship with him and uh, you know when we sing songs like that one, one of the, the things that is hard is that there's so much talk goes on in the church world so there's people and, and you'll sing a song like that and somebody has come along and say oh you shouldn't be desperate for the Holy Spirit you shouldn't be desperate for Jesus because Jesus done all he's ever going to do and he lives in you and you've got all of Jesus so what's your problem you shouldn't be desperate he's, he's, he's there just like that well he isn't there just like that and you know we can we can think we know it all when we know so little. That, that's kind of a, something we get into as Christians. We think we know it all, and actually we know so little. And the reason I'm desperate for the Holy Spirit in a, to, in a level that I haven't experienced before, and I've experienced a lot, but it's not enough, is I'm desperate because what it tells me now is not that there's more of the Holy Spirit to be had. That's not the point. The point is there's too much of me in the way. There's too much of me in the way. And when we're desperate for the Holy Spirit, it's because, not that he's holding back, but because my flesh is in the way. And, that, and it's an expression of that. More of me, less, more of you, less of me. Yeah, that's the right way around, isn't it? <laughs> but sometimes it, f it is, in practice, the other way around. 
the Holy Spirit gets crowded out. And we, we go into the presence of the Holy Spirit and that relationship with him by waiting. Waiting, taking time. And sometimes it can feel like it's not going anywhere or I'm not getting there. And then all of a sudden he's there. So I was praying upstairs before the service and, and just worshipping. And I, I, I go and hide because you don't want to hear me worship. Really, you don't. And the Holy Spirit said to me, don't worry, I'm going to turn up. I'm going to be there this morning. And that's, that's all I need. That's all you need, isn't it? You know, um, I wrote a few things down while I was praying up there. And uh, it makes kind of... You know, we, we went to... A couple of things happened two or three weeks ago. We went to a gathering. And uh, some of you will have heard me say this before, particularly if you've done rock solid, that, it's imp that there's a gap between what the Bible says is true and what we experience in our life. And that gap frustrates me. And if we're believers who really want more of Jesus and want him number one, it should frustrate every one of us. But I'm telling you, it really is frustrating me at the moment. And we went, went along to this gathering, and a friend of ours, uh, some of you might have met him, a guy called Brian Spencer, he, he was sharing, and he just said, he was sharing about this frustration that he has about this gap between what, what, what should be ours and this lower level that we operate on. And he was saying, he was talking about this relationship he had with a friend, and he went into hospital, his friend was really ill, and he realised that whilst God had done some exciting things in his life, he could say that when he went in that room, that person's chances of surviving was increased, just by the very fact that Brian was there. But what really was frustrating him, and it's the thing that frustrates me, is when I go in that room, if Jesus went in that room, that person's chances would be 100%. And I was challenged again to by a second event that happened. There's, when I was at university, I had problems with my accommodation in the second year. And so I didn't live... I probably lived about 30 miles from the university I was at. So I went home for, for several weeks because I didn't have anywhere to live at the university. And uh, there was a, a lady who was in our church at home. And she, used, she worked at the university. So she used to pick me up every morning. And then she'd bring me back at night. Uh, a lady called Judy Felton. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I heard that she died. And so when somebody dies, you kind of remember some things, don't you? And I remember her, you know, we would have these debates. Not debates in a, in a, in a negative way, but I'd been reading Acts as, as an excited 19-year-old or whatever I was. I'd been reading Acts. And something really struck me, that these guys in Acts had a certainty about the Holy Spirit that we don't have. They, they were able to say, I can't go there because the Holy Spirit told me not to. And they were 100% certain. They were, they were certain about what they should do in certain situations. And when I was praying this morning, I felt that I wanted to just, I think we need to look again at that gap between where we are and what is possible in the Holy Spirit. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit wants us to fill that gap, to move so there's no gap. And you know, you, you look back and you see all these great men of God. You know, people write books about them. Uh, other, peop you know, other people know them. And you, you see what happens in them 
lives. And so you, you go back and you, you, you look at a Charles Finney. And, and you know, we, this, one of the stories about Charles Finney is that he was invited in by the owner of a factory to, to go in and uh, speak to all his workers. And so the, the, the owner called them all together and when Charles Finney walked in the room, he didn't say anything, he just stood in silence. And then one by one, each of those workers fell on their knees and repented and turned to Jesus. That happened at Pentecost, that happened to Charles Finney. It's the same Holy Spirit today, yesterday and forever. You know, you, you, we, we read stories, don't we, of, man, I wish Smith Wigglesworth was alive today. Well, so do I, because I would like to ask him some questions. But all I've got is books about him. And so you're reading these books, written by, one of them is written by his friend, about how he would go and he would just sit with Smith Wigglesworth. And for hours they would say nothing because Smith Wigglesworth wasn't there. He was in the spirit. He was somewhere else relating to the Holy Spirit. You, you see people like Catherine Kuhlman, you know, one of the things that some people will say about faith life is that we haven't yet seen healing in the midst of worship, which is on some people's hearts. Well, Catherine Kuhlman used to see it in all her meetings. She didn't heal anybody. <laughs> and you know, that that relationship with the Holy Spirit. I, I remember, you know, real challenge for us. We were uh, living in Preston in the late 90s, growing up in traditional church. And I was just like really shocked because somebody gave me, told me to read this book. It was a book called, some of you will have read it, called Good Morning Holy Spirit. And I realized for the first time the Holy Spirit was a person who I could relate to. He was God on earth inviting me to fellowship with him. And it just like, it transformed my life, but it didn't transform my life all the way because there's still some way to go. And we see all these people and, and we, we hear of these people from the past, Dowie or uh, Maria Woodworth Etter or Amy Semple MacPherson or Anola Roberts and and you hear about the amazing things God did through their ministry. And yet the same spirit is available to all of us. The difference is too much flesh. You know, we, we do a lot of our Christian life and we call it spirit I'm a spirit-filled believer, but it's flesh. And you know, you can pray in the flesh. You can exercise spiritual gifts in the flesh because they're without revocation. You can do church in the flesh. You can run your entire relationship with Jesus in the flesh because we don't fully know what it yet, what it means to be all in the spirit. And we need to. So, I had this, um, it was on the back seat of my car this morning, so I don't know what it is. It looks like an important piece of paper, Cheryl, that I've scribbled on. Um, oh, no, it's not yours, it's mine. Uh, so, I'm, I'm just going to do, I'll share a little bit from the Word where we can see what the Holy Spirit does. And what, what's going on. So you don't, you don't need to look any of these up. I'll, I'll just read them to you. You can check it out afterwards. You can listen to it again. But Jesus, he's telling the disciples that I'm not going to be around for, for that much longer. But don't worry. Like, okay, you're going to be crucified, Jesus. You told us you're going to be murdered, killed for something, and, and you've done no wrong. And you've led us for three years and you're going and you're now telling me not to worry. Not to worry. How can I not worry? And Jesus has to, in a sense, show them that the way you don't worry is to be in the spirit. 
So he, he gives them this promise, and it says this. <clears throat> if you love me, keep my commandments. What Jesus' commandments? It's not the law. Jesus' commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, and all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another as I have loved you. Go into all the world and make disciples. Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded you. What have I commanded you? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, all your mind, and love one another as you love yourself. And love one another as I've loved you. That's, that's the environment that the spirit-filled heart lives in. And so he says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he's going to give you another helper. That means, that, <coughs> that word helper there, means one of exactly the t same type as me. He'll give you another helper who will abide with you forever. Is that, so that's a promise. He's with us forever. The problem's not the Holy Spirit here. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him for he dwells with you. So they, they've experienced the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's been there in the person of Jesus. And now he's going to be in you. The Holy Spirit is in every born again believer. We, we can all have that relationship. I will not leave you orphans. I'll come to you. And then a little bit later, Jesus is praying. And uh, he, he talks about the Holy Spirit again. Now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away, for I do not go away. If I don't go away, the helper can't come. But if I depart, I'm going to send him to you. And when he's come, he'll convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to send one and it's going to be better for you than if I stay. That's a level of living in the, the, the spirit that is beyond anything I think we're experiencing. Because given that choice, I would choose Jesus sat there but of course Jesus isn't sat there all the time he's not there at all so who have I got I've got the Holy Spirit and Jesus is saying that's actually better because I can't be everywhere all at the same time but the Holy Spirit can be with you all the time and that's better and when he comes he's going to do something which you can't do Dear church, you can't do this. You cannot convict the world of sin. That's so important. Because a lot of the, the things that the world rejects is because we try and convict them of their sin. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. Let's put that in a context. Let's put that in the context of Charles Finney. What's going on there? He walks in a room, the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. I don't believe that God ever intended that there would only ever be one Charles Finney in the church or one Maria Woodworth Etta or one uh, Oral Roberts or any of these people or one Catherine Kuhlman. They're just people who laid down their whole of their lives and the Holy Spirit then did what the Holy Spirit does. And, you know, time, we, we have no time left. And you go, oh, he's talking about end time. Well, we have no time left. This is a dark, dark world. And it's not going to get lighter. 
unless the Holy Spirit brings the light. The only thing that happens from here on in is we have a massive revival in this nation or Jesus is coming back because it's too bad. That's the only thing that happens from here on in. And it might not be in two years, it might not be in five years, but it's coming. And more than ever, we need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus said, don't do anything without me. And yet we do everything without him, without the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to people who'd walked on water, raised the dead, cast out demons, seen limbs grow before their eyes, bread and fishes had multiplied in their hands, they'd seen uh, lepers healed, also all these things. And Jesus said to them, you're not qualified to, chat, to follow me. You've had three years with me, you've seen all those things, you're not qualified to follow me. Because if you go off and do it now, you'll do it in your flesh. So wait until the Holy Spirit comes. There's something about that waiting, isn't there? We don't like to wait in church anymore. We like three songs, bang, 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 and do the offering. Why? Because we might upset some people in the world outside who we've invited, hopefully. It's not our job to make people in the world outside happy or comfortable in the hope they might turn to Jesus. Our job is every day of every week to get with the Holy Spirit and be so full of the Holy Spirit that he convicts people as we go about what we're doing. And so Jesus tells them to wait. And this is what happens. Like, you know you know these stories. They're not stories though. They're fact. Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, what does that mean? Who would have liked to have been there? Yeah? Okay, well, Rachel was going to be there and John, but not many others because you can't, can't put your hand up. Yeah? Who, wants to, who would have liked to have been there? Yeah? Well, here's the problem. When Jesus said those words, wait for the Holy Spirit, 500 people were there. When the Holy Spirit came and that happened, there was only 120 left. If you were one of the 380, you would have been gutted. Imagine that, missing out because you couldn't wait. You couldn't take the time to just spend time waiting for the Holy Spirit. And when it uses that word filled, it's not kind of, see, here's the trouble. Put, my, put your hand up. There's no shame here, but put your hand up if you're baptized in the Spirit. Okay? How do you know? Somebody laid their hand on you, or you spoke in tongues, or whatever. Well, where is it? Where is it in our lives? Where is it in my life? Where is the Holy Spirit? Because it's not a one-time baptism in the Spirit. It's a day-by-day -day filling as we're in his presence. You see that, that word filled, it's, a, it's obviously a translation of Greek word, uh, pletho. Okay? Well, what does that mean? It means this, filled to the maximum, filled to the full extent, to your individual capacity and overflowing. So when this happened to, to these guys, they were full to their individual capacity and overflowing. And, and there's such a noise and people are, are drawn to this noise and they're speaking in, in the other languages and people, are, it, it says what? It says that they were amazed, that they marveled at what was going on. And Peter speaks his sermon 
which by any stretch of the imagination is not full of great communication and catch lines. It doesn't have any one-liners in there or any amazing bits of uh, a TED talk. It just says, here's a bit of history, guys. Now repent. How can he do that? Because it's not him. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts the people and the thousands turn to Christ all in one go. Why? Because they are filled to the max and full capacity with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's doing the convicting. So we, we get to there. And uh, at, the, at verse 37 it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and let everybody be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and you'll receive the Holy Spirit too. Man, we need people cut to the heart, don't we? Not give them nice coffee so they'll come. We have serious problems in the body of Christ and there's no time left to address it. I hesitate to say this, but kind of don't get offended with me, but do let, if, it, if it's for you, if it convicts you the way it convicted me, let it convict you. But this, this gathering, uh, there's a lady called Laurie Lawler. Uh, she's John Arnott's daughter uh, from Toronto. And uh, she also spent quite a long time working with Benny Hinn. And she was talking about her journey. And she put this slide up. She was saying, we need to be aware of the times. And she just put one slide up. And it was, you know, cute pictures. And it said this. There is no time left to wake the sheep. Let us just wake the lions. And I thought, I don't want to be a sheep. I want to be a lion. I want to wake up to what is going on. I want to wake up... And, and see those things that when I was 19 or 20 or whatever, talking in that car, I wanted to see. And not because I want to see them to give me a kick. I want to see them because I'll know then that I've got my relationship right with the Holy Spirit. And I've yielded enough of my life. Because there's just too much flesh about me. There's just, there's just too much. And... The, the only reason that I'm not like that is because there's more to give to him. And so we, we, we get to that point. And, and Charles Finney said this, in the presence of, if the presence of God is in the church, the, world, the church will draw the world in. If the presence of God is not in the church, the world will draw the church out. Where is it? Up and down the land, where's the church? Where is it? Why have we not more to say? Why are we not seeing more when the, the, our, our, our country is in a crisis? See, in Corinthians, Paul says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And then he goes on to say, he says, that, but the light of the Holy Spirit is shone into the heart of you who believe. Without the Holy Spirit, the light doesn't shine into the blind places. The only way we have more of the Holy Spirit is to give more of ourselves. You know, uh, Peter and, and John are going up to the temple a little while later and there's this guy begging for arms. And uh, he cries out for them to give him money. And Peter comes along and he says, I haven't got any money, basically. You know, it's, this is, you have a deeper need than money. You need to walk again. <laughs> You've been a cripple from birth. And he says, what I have, I give you now. And he gets him by the hand, pulls him up, and as he pulls him up, his ankles are healed and he walks. And there's an enormous commotion. People start turning to Christ and the, the, the authorities step in and arrest Peter and James. What? When he said, 
What I have, I give you now. What did he have? He had the anointing of the Holy Spirit, didn't he? Because I don't know about you, but if I haul somebody up without the Holy Spirit, they're falling back down again. We don't heal anybody. The Holy Spirit heals through us. I've got to chapter 4, by the way, of Acts. What happens in chapter 4? Well, they've been arrested, and they basically say to Peter and John, you're not allowed to use Jesus' name anymore. You're not allowed to preach Jesus. You're not allowed to pray for people. You're not allowed to talk about Jesus. Why do we accept that in our nation? Fear. Messing up our careers. I don't know. I don't talk about Jesus enough. Peter says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, rulers and people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to helpless man, by what means has he been made well? Let it be made known to you all and to all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him this man stands here before you whole. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, full to the brim, full to the max, at total capacity and overflowing. You can't do that. You can't, you can't stand. You can't stand against this, this tide of culture and this tide of, of, of the world in your own strength. You won't say anything. You just won't. Because you can't do it in your own strength. I can't do it in my own strength. But oh, how we need it. Verse 19 and 20. So they command them not to use the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to him, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Where have they seen and heard? Okay, so you, 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 you go for a simple answer generally. Oh, well, they were with Jesus and he taught them that. No, they're not saying that at all. They're talking about how did they know that when they reached out to that guy, he was going to stand. And he's, they're saying, are you going to stop the miracles that you have, have just now witnessed? And they basically say, no, we're not going to stop it, but you don't use that name Jesus again. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want us to use the name Jesus. You know, what, I, I, I don't know how we make headway if we just keep accepting things. How is it that the church and we are in such a state that the name of Jesus is a swear word? I'm not going to criticize the people who are using it. They don't know any better. But we have to take responsibility for the fact that that's in our society. How, how is that? Because we've neglected the spirit and done it in the flesh. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, they go back and they pray that God will give them boldness. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together were shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. There you are. These are the same people who were there at Pentecost. So they are being filled to the maximum, absolute capacity, to overflowing, the most of the Holy Spirit they can get in again. And where does, what context does that take place? It takes place of them talking to the Holy Spirit. Otherwise known as prayer. 
I call it talking to the Holy Spirit because that's what it is. You know what prayer is? It's union in communion with the Holy Spirit. It's about a relationship. Not about a list of demands and trying to get enough faith to see the demands happening. Let's go on a little bit. Who remembers Stephen? Well, the way Stephen gets to where he does is that there's something about him. And if you remember, the problem was that there was uh, widows and orphans not getting fed properly and not getting looked after because everybody was too busy. And they were all going, Mark and Cheryl, we need you to do this. And Mark and Cheryl turned around and said, what we're looking for is people like Stephen who are full of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to do it. And so they appoint Stephen. Why? Because their job was to devote them to prayer and the word and doctrine. You know, getting before the Holy Spirit to bring the Holy Spirit's voice to the people. That's the role of a leader of a church. Not all the other stuff. The other stuff is what you are supposed to be filled with the Spirit for. I'm supposed to be filled with the Spirit to lead and to uh, bring the Word of God and what God's saying to you guys. I'm sorry if I sound like I'm dismantling a few bits of church, but it's not worked. It, it, it's just crazy. We, we have a, a world of Christianity where... We need more and more money to pay professionals to do more and more jobs to look after people who are not willing to do the jobs for themselves. People are unwilling to volunteer these days for anything. Why? Well, somebody's paid to do it. And, it, and it's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge. Remember that guy, Paul, the one who threatens the church and has Stephen killed? He has this encounter. And this is, this is what it says about him. I, I'm at chapter 8, verse 20 to 22 now. Peter said to him, your money... Sorry, basically, what happens is... I've got ahead of myself. It's not 2022. Saul's still persecuting the church there. This is Peter. And, and a sorcerer comes along and recognises, this is after Stephen's died, but it comes along and recognises that something is happening when these guys are around. There's miracles taking place and he wants to buy them. And this is what Peter says. Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought of the, that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You can't. You can't pay somebody to have that gift for you. Nor can you get it with money. Nor can you get it by um, doing all the stuff that we filled our lives with. The way that you receive more of the Holy Spirit is to pay the cost. And that's not the cost in terms of flesh effort. That's the cost in terms of surrendering. And that takes time. You can't buy that. You can't sidestep it. So yeah, back to Saul. It says, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Then all who heard, Saul is Paul by the way, then all who heard were amazed and said, isn't this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus. This is a man who was murdering Christians because he thought he was serving God by doing it. 
Because the church of a, a previous time will not recognize the Holy Spirit on the church of the current time. And so he didn't recognize that this was God when Peter and John were doing all these things. And then he, he gets knocked off his horse, has this encounter with the Holy Spirit, and now he's out preaching Jesus. What does that tell me? It tells me there's this gap again. Because we don't see that. We see somebody eventually maybe just about say a prayer and then take 25 years while we counsel all their back issues to get them to the state that they might be a bit whole. Why? Flesh, no spirit. The Holy Spirit changes people. And it's visible and immediate. Yes, I'm not saying there's not stuff in people's past that need sorting out. But I'm saying we should be able to tell the activity of the Holy Spirit by the amount of change in a person's life. So our first priority is to show the person how to wait on the Lord and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you, do you understand this? The Holy Spirit is so much more powerful than we're experiencing. And, and I don't want to live the rest of my life with that gap. Because I've, I've managed to get from 1920 to here, 19 or 20 year old to here, and I haven't filled that, that, that gap's not full yet. There's a long way to go. And I'm in the way. Let's just look at one more verse. Let's go on a little bit. Chapter 13. Now in the church there was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So quite a bunch of guys are here. As they ministered, that's interesting isn't it? As they ministered, so you're all making a, limp, a leap that's not there. As they ministered where? To the Lord. Not to each other. As they ministered to the Lord. Not their ministry program. Not their latest course. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said to them, separate Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them. Why? Imparting this Holy Spirit so they go away full to the max of the Holy Spirit and sent them. Where do we hear the voice of the Spirit? How do we know what to do? How do we know what to say? How do we know how to deal with the problems? How do we know how to help people? How do we carry the fullness of the Holy Spirit? How do we carry the conviction of the Spirit? We minister to the Lord. That's why it's so important that when we worship, we worship. Because we're ministering to the Lord. There's space to do other things. But when you're doing the other things, it's not worship. So you, 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 you each in its place. The other things come out of that. But firstly, we have to get to the place where we're worshipping the Lord. Not singing songs. And how, how do we get to that place? Well, you can't get to that place by walking in on a Sunday morning. Honestly, you can't. Because you're relying on Sarah or Susie or somebody to get you there by song number three. It comes out of what's happened the rest of the week. Yeah. I, I, I come this morning and I want to just explode and, and, and sing and I, it, it would be terrifying if it happened. So, so I, I, I go over here and tone myself down a bit. But you know, I just, I, I just love being with the Holy Spirit. And I go, well, okay, how, how does that happen? Because that, that's what I'm challenging with this morning. Oh, the Holy Spirit is. Yet again, my CV is interrupted. Um. Why are we trying to do our Christian life without this fullness of the Holy Spirit? 
And it, it can be all sorts of reasons. Some of us have gone there before and didn't like what happened because there was too much flesh around. Or we stopped halfway and didn't like what happened because it seemed all so disappointing. I'm not talking about that. You know, it would be so easy to try and put old models where there was an anointing into what the Holy Spirit wants to do now. And that, that's often the problem. God moved, and it was very powerful when God moved, but he's not there anymore. He's not sta a static God. We, we have to find that, that, that relationship, that fellowship with the Holy Spirit for ourselves. And, and when we're there, you, you're not, you're not going to just come in and, wait and feel like, I need, I need the worship team to do really good this morning or I'm, I'm stuck. When you're there, the Holy Spirit will be bursting out of you in worship, in praise. And we wait on the Lord and he, he, he'll come. He'll come and he'll touch us. And people start getting healed in the middle of worship. People start getting convicted in the middle of worship. He'll come because he hasn't gone anywhere. We've got in the way. We've got in the way. I've got in the way. As far as I'm concerned for me. Here's the thing. I could be super sensitive pastoral person. And I could say, well, I, I know why this isn't happening for you. You're just so busy. You're so tired. You've got kids. You've got this. You've got that. You know, I, I don't. I know. You know, I understand what's going on in your life and all these sort of things. Can I ask everybody in this room to do something for me? At least think about doing it. I'd like you to go home. Look on your iPhone and look on your iPad or whatever you've got and find how much screen time you have on there. And I'd like you to add on to that all your television, all your newspapers and all your books reading. And I'd ask you to give you that to the Holy Spirit for a month, that time, just switch them all off. I guarantee you that your life will be transformed if you'll do that. It's an offer like no other. And of course our heart and flesh cries out, doesn't it? Because <laughs> I'm finding that so difficult. Because I'm busy. And I'm paid to do this job. But I'm also convinced that there was never only meant to be one in a generation. It was never meant to be just one God's general or one great person of God. And you know, honestly, I'm not sure we've got one. Not right now. Because I think God's waiting for the church. But it's only the lions who'll do it. The sheep will still be waiting. Eating the grass that they get fed. Amen. Don't quite know what to do now. We're just going to wait. Can we just stand?
don't know how all this works. Because if I did, they'd have got there. But I believe that you're showing us that it's about less of me and more of you. It's not about, you know, having to do something to be acceptable to you. But it's about being willing to surrender the parts of me that I've held back. And I've just said, you know, yeah, Jesus, you're number one. But there's all these things in my life I want to achieve and get on with. And there's all these things that I'm busy with and, and all the rest of it. But Holy Spirit, I want you to be number one. I, I, I want that relationship with you where I have the certainty that when you say, go, go, I'll go. And when you say, come, I'll come. And when you say, spend time with me, I'll spend time with you. And so I know, like, Lord, when you say, yes, I'm going to be there in the service this morning, I'm confident that you're going to be there. I want that certainty, Holy Spirit. But also, I want to carry you and be so full of you that, that when, when I go about what I do, people see and come into contact with you. Because yeah. I'm filled to the max. Yeah. I want to trust you Holy Spirit. To do the convicting and not me. Yeah. I want to trust you Holy Spirit. To um, just fill my worship in, in such a way. That I can I encounter you. That there's only me and you. Everything else fades away. Like that song when we turn our eyes on Jesus. Look fully in his heavenly face. The things of this world just fade away in the light of his glory and grace. And I want to be that person, Jesus. Yeah. I want to be that person. So I invite your Holy Spirit to touch us, to convict us, to change us, to fill us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Can we focus ourselves on Jesus? I'm just going to, I've just asked the musicians to play that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus.